0: I want to talk to you this morning as we've been going through this series in Colossians about making Christ the axis of our life. And we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. It'll be up on the screen. You have a few Bibles in front of you also. And you can turn there to uh, Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through 15 is where we're going to be. If you think about an axis, um, those are used quite a bit in school. Um, if you look at physical science, we think of the axis of the, of the Earth uh, that leads from the North Pole to the South Pole, and the Earth rotates on that imaginary, um, imaginary line and just spins around on that, um, and it just it's right in the center of the Earth. If you go to math or you go to geometry... And all of a sudden, an axis takes on a different meaning. And it splits up. Uh, It's a straight line um, in which an object may rotate around or it divides an object into symmetrical halves. And it's a fixed reference line um, that is used for measurement um, of coordinates. And so you see some uh, geometry graph there uh, using an axis there. Well, I want to talk to you because I think the the theme that Paul is really getting at in this passage is that Christ is to be the axis of our lives. And and it is so easy for us to get off kilter if Christ is not the axis. The whole purpose of, of God creating us was for the best way to live is for Christ to be the axis of our life. And when that's not the case, we keep running into problems. So, uh, this first passage there in in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, There are some steps in Christian living. What does it mean for Christ to be the axis of our life around which everything rotates in our life? Well, first of all, we need to know that that the first thing that means is that we have to receive Christ a certain way. See, in our culture, everyone talks about receiving Christ as Savior, and then we drop it there. That is not very scriptural. You and I do receive Christ as Savior, and He saves us and He forgives us for our sins, but that is not where God wants us to end up at. God wants us to go further than that, and and you and I drop the ball if that's all the further we go. If we get saved and our sins are forgiven and we go on living like we always have been. I want you to see those words right up there on the screen. You receive Christ Jesus as Lord. What's a Lord? Someone who is in charge of your life. An authority to which you obey and you submit to and you live your lives to please. And so, Paul right here in Colossians says, so then as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, that's the first step in Christian living, you never will advance in the Christian life until you have made a decision that Christ is going to be Lord. And when you want to do X, and the Lord wants you to do Y, which way are you going to go? Will you do the why? Are you going to go back and do what you want to do or what someone else wants you to do? Peer pressure. Teenagers, peer pressure never ends. You can be 95 years old and peer pressure will still be there. (laughs) I know. I still have peer pressure. And the question is, am I going to submit to what I want to do? Am I going to submit to what others want me to do? Or am I going to submit to Christ Jesus as Lord? It's a huge issue for each one of us. We will not grow. You will not go on in your Christian life unless Jesus is Lord. He needs to be Lord. And how do you do that? You receive Him, just as you receive, you receive Christ as Savior by faith. You receive Him as Lord by faith. And by faith, I mean you get to the place in your Christian life where you discover and you come to the conviction that doing what Christ wants you to do is better for you than doing what you want to do. That's really simple I, I know I'm just preaching real simple stuff here but that's the bottom line. until you have faith that doing what God wants you to do instead of what you want to do is the best thing for you you will not submit to Christ as Lord. Lordship is a faith issue and if you don't if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus as Lord it is simply because you don't have faith. You don't believe that God knows what is best for you. You believe that you know what is best for you. You believe that others know what is best for you. But you do not trust the creator of the heavens and the earth. Who made you and designed you. That what he wants is the best thing for you. If Jesus is not Lord of your life. You do not trust him. Bottom line. And I will tell you that there are days I struggle with that. (laughs) It's a trust issue. Do you trust God? If you're not submitting to him as Lord, you simply do not trust him. And then he says, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Now, that word continue gets us, doesn't it? Because if you're going to grow in your Christian life, it can't be just, you know, a roller coaster kind of thing or a sporadic kind of thing. It's got to be something that you continue doing. You don't become good at anything by just doing it once in a great while. I tried to take up guitar. About a well, about two years ago, but it was way, way different than the piano and all of that. And I just couldn't quite get my mind around it, and so I didn't practice continually. The day of the lesson, I would whip out the guitar, <laughs> and you know what? I don't play a lick, I can't remember what I did learn. I couldn't even find a G chord on the guitar today. And it's not been that long because I did not continue in it. Persevere every day with it. The same thing is true of the Christian life. If you and I don't continue to live our lives in Christ, it's not going to happen very well. We, it just can't be a Sunday morning thing. It's got to be a continual thing in our lives. And then, and then he says, he uses an agricultural term. And he talks to us about being rooted in Christ. Now, I've been annoying some people here because I have a tumbleweed in the church. Some of you didn't notice it. Others of you, more observant types, were uh, bothered by it. Um, this tumbleweed, it took me a while to find it, by the way, because we really had an epidemic of tumbleweeds. Watford City had a crisis about two months ago of them. Um, <laughs> and, and then I thought I could just go out and find one. Yesterday, I walked all over our property trying to find one. Could not find one. They're all over the place anytime you'd want one. But anyway, on the way to Mertz last night, I found one. <laughs> so I went and got it. But you know these things? Tumbleweeds. They blow all over the place. And the reason they do that in the fall is because they have no roots. They have very little root. They're all bush. And so in the fall when they dry up, they just snap off at the ground. A little bit of wind comes and snaps them off and they take off because there's no root, there's nothing really to hold them down. And they just snap off and blow all over the all over. You know, that's a good picture of what Paul says you and I are not to be, a tumbleweed, a Christian tumbleweed, where we don't put down roots, we don't get deep in our Christian walk, and we may grow, we may look pretty good on the outside, but a little bit of tough Things come along, a little bit of wind, a little bit of storm, and all of a sudden we snap off at the roots and we just blow around, tumble around, and cause trouble. (laughs) Paul says that you and I are to be rooted like a tree that can stand and endure the winds that come along um, so that you and I should not be a tumbleweed. And then he says that we ought to be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Now, that's an architectural term. And he's talking about building. And he's talking about foundations. And, you know, all of that. And he's talking about building a building nice and strong and all of that. And he says, if you and I want to have a Christian faith that is strong we have to make sure that it is strengthened in the faith and that we have to expose ourselves to to teaching that will help us grow. Friends, there's a lot of teaching out there today that will not help you grow in Christ. There's a lot of teaching that will just tickle your ears. There's a lot of teaching that will make you happy or it will, you know, entertain you or it will do all kinds of other things. But will the teaching strengthen your faith? Sometimes you and I need to hear some things that are difficult for us to hear, that we don't necessarily like, that strengthen us. You know, if you are growing a tree, sometimes in order for you to put down and grow good roots, you have to expose that tree to some drought. You can't water it every day if you want a solid tree. And sometimes there have to come some tough things that come along in our life if we really want to be strong and have strong roots in the faith. And so we have to expose ourselves to teaching that will help strengthen our faith. And then he says this, and overflowing with thankfulness, and he uses that picture of a floodplain where a river overflows its banks and spreads out. How do you know... That you are getting to the place in your Christian life where you are that mature, that you're really growing as a Christian, where Christ has done so much work and you have so much faith in Him and you trust in Him, that you're really becoming a mature Christian. And I want to tell you, I have not arrived there yet. This was very convicting. I didn't like this phrase in the Bible. <laughs> you know what Paul says. One of the marks of people that have arrived is that they are like a river that's overflown its banks with thankfulness. (laughs) They are just excited and they are thankful for everything that God has done for them. And it just kind of oozes out of them and they're just like like a river that's overflown its banks. They are thankful for what God has done. And I, I think for myself, and I think for, for many of us, we live in such a, a an uncontented society that we have lost the art of appreciation and lost the art of thankfulness and lost the art of thankfulness to God for all that He has done for us. We have it so good. <laughs> and you and I, I, I think a mark that needs to be Left in our community by Christians is this attitude of gratitude, a thankfulness that permeates our lives uh, for all that God has done. I need to go on to our uh, next couple of verses or just verse 8 there. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces in this world, ra- of this world, rather than on Christ. Now here's one great danger. Paul says if you are going to grow and you are going to become mature in Christ, and I, I want you to hear those words again because this has been my, what I believe God really wants for our church. And that is for us to be very, very Christ-centered. For you and I to have a passion and a love for Jesus And all the rest will take care of itself if you and I will be right there. If you and I are going to be Christ-centered, we have to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to be taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Now that word for being taken captive is a military term. It's like taking prisoners of war. Um, Or maybe it refers to like a kidnapper, taking a child, or or taking someone in the sex trade and all of that evil that's out there in the world today. But he says a man-made philosophy is a kidnapper. It's a military term that he uses here. And so he's referring to Philosophy and religious philosophy that takes people captive. And he describes it as being hollow. Well, what makes religion hollow? Anything without Christ. It doesn't matter what world religion you go to. It doesn't matter what cult you go to. It doesn't even matter what denomination or non-denominational church you go to. If Christ is not the focus, if Christ is not the center, you have what is hollow and it will leave you empty. Don't lean into hollowness. Lean into something that is filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, hollow and deceptive philosophy. You remember what Satan is all about? He's called the deceiver. Make sure the teaching you're exposed to is not deception. That Satan hasn't taken the truth and just twisted it and diverted it and all of that. That is the nature of almost every cult out there. Of cults and a lot of, a lot of things that are out there in our world today. And unfortunately, a lot of deception is creeping into the church. Mainline denominations and other places where there's just deception that is growing in. And he says, you have to be careful. If you're going to be a Christ-centered follower of Christ, you avoid what is hollow. You avoid what is deceptive. And then, he says, which depends on human tradition. Where is the teaching... That is necessary for your spiritual growth, where does it originate from? Is it just something that man ordained, man thought up, or can you trace it right back to the Word of God? Can you trace it back to Christ? If Christ is not the center of that teaching, if it didn't ori- originate with him, then you're off base. And you will you can't. You can't feed yourself what is not Christ-centered and end up as a Christ-centered follower of Christ. The two don't lead. They don't go together. You have to keep Christ in the center of, of everything you do. So you have to avoid human tradition. Or at least go back and say, okay, does this fit with the scriptures? Does this teaching honor and exalt and lift up Christ? If you get into some teaching and you you simply ask that question, does this teaching honor and build up the Lord Jesus Christ? If it doesn't, it's time to walk away from that teaching and go find something that honors and builds up the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, he says, and the elemental, spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And in the culture that Paul was writing to in the Colossians, it was a little bit different than the, the culture of the Galatians, which was primarily Jewish um, legalism and all of that. But in Colossians, it was a whole different element. And, and there they were dealing with a lot of people who were into astrology and mysticism and horoscopes and, and you name it, all that kind of garbage. And our world loves that stuff. But you are to be different. And I am to be different. We have to shun that stuff. We have to walk away from it. We don't want to be fed that stuff in our lives. We want it to be true, spiritual food that comes from God and not from the elemental, spiritual forces of the world. And so, as he says there, rather than on Christ, the teaching that you and I engage in, the, 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 the test of every teaching should be this. Does it make Christ preeminent? Whatever you believe about any theological subject, does it honor and build up and lift up the Lord Jesus Christ? This is why when you go back into church history, the creeds, every single one of the creeds that the church has adopted, it it, well, it says very little about God the Father. It says very little about the Holy Spirit down at the bottom. Almost all of the creed is all about focused on Christ and what He did and who He was and all of that because the number one attack of Satan is to destroy what you and I believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in every heresy that the church has, has focused on, Every one of those heresies involved the Lord Jesus Christ and what people, what the Christians believed about Jesus. You better watch your walk, watch your life, watch your doctrine. Ask this question, does this build up? Does this honor Christ? Is this what the scriptures teach about Jesus Christ? And you will stay safe as a Christian if you will keep focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our next verse, a couple of verses. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision, not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled. By the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now he says several things there. And the first of all, he says, Christ is the fullness of God. Everything that is in God, as I said in the introduction of this whole series, everything that you can find in God the Father, you can find in Christ. He is the fullness of God. So you can't ever say as a Christian, well, I accepted Christ as Savior, but I'm still lacking. There's something missing in my life. Well, it's not His fault. Everything you need, the fullness, fullness of god is found in christ and you and i just need to dig deeper into christ to become full if 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 we're going around thinking we're not fulfilled following christ every one of us was created with a void that can only be filled with christ now in in nursery and preschool age, they have these little toys where where there's a cube and they have little different designs on them and cutouts in them. And kids learn their geomet- geometric shapes and, and um, uh, motor skills and all of that by putting the, the cube in the cube hole and the star in the star hole and all that kind of stuff. Every one of us was designed with a void in our life that only Christ can fill. And any time that we try to fill that void with something else that a cult will offer or someone else will offer or some other emphasis that you and I go for in the Christian faith, we end up filling the void with the wrong thing and trying to cram it in. And it just doesn't fit. The only thing that will fulfill us is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next thing that he says there is indeed that Christ brings to us fullness. That he is the one who can complete us. Everything else is a cube and a round hole. And then he says that he is um, the head over every power and authority. So if Christ is the head over every power and over every authority, he's obviously the ultimate sovereign. So why would you submit your life? Why would Adrian Timmons submit his life to some other force that is less? Why would I settle for less? If I'm going to give up my rights to do what I want to do, why would I settle to give up those rights to do what someone else wants me to do or what this wants me to do or something else? Why wouldn't I go all the way to the absolute head of all authorities on the face of the earth? That'd be silly, wouldn't it? If I'm going to really submit my life to some other force, I might as well go all the way to Christ. Christ. And I want to tell you what, you can serve, you know, in our world today, you can serve all kinds of other gods that are dead. Why would I do that? And I can focus on this, and I can focus on that, and I can serve this cult, and and that religion, and all of that. But Christ is the absolute head over every power and authority. And if I'm going to submit my life to someone, it might as well be the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ wants to be the axis of my life and your life. Not not self, not man-made philosophy, all of that. Christ wants to be the one that I live my life rotating around, honoring and pleasing. Now, Paul goes into um, circumcision here in this text. I have... You can go back about a year and a half ago. I preached a whole sermon on circumcision and embarrassed half of you. Um, I'm not going to repeat that here this morning. But anyway, um, I'm going to summarize what he has to say um, in this passage in Colossians. And, and he says there's a difference between what, if, if you and I are going to become Christ-like, there's a difference in what Christ does in our heart and what a Jew did on the body. The Jew did an external surgery where what Christ does is an internal surgery. Christ comes in and does an internal surgery on the heart. For the the male man, it it affected one part of his body. But for the believer, it affects the whole body. The whole body of sin. And, And God does surgery on that. And then he says, you know... There's a doctor that does the circumcision on the man, but this is not done by human hands. It's done by God. And then he says, and what they did in circumcision, it didn't eliminate sin, didn't wipe it out. But what Christ can do in your heart and my heart, if we will make him Lord, is he can take care of the sin in our lives and wipe it out and set us free. And all of that. So he says there's a huge difference between uh, a religion that is based on what man can do and what God can do. What Christ can do. Our last little text is from uh, Colossians chapter 2 starting in verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He says three simple things in that passage. First of all, Christ made us alive. When we were dead. (laughs) Dead people can't do anything. That was the state that you and I were in before Christ. We were dead. We couldn't do anything to help ourselves in our relationship with God or anything else. What Christ did was bring us alive again to God. Secondly, he says he forgave us our sins when we were condemned. And he uses the term having canceled the charge of our written indebtedness. God had papers on us (laughs) that said we owed him and that we were condemned to hell for our sin. And we were born that way before we ever did anything and everyone knows that we've all done stuff. (laughs) I've done stuff that I should go to hell for. But even before I did those things, I was hell bound. Because of my inborn tendency to rebel against God. And Paul says, He forgave me my sins while I was still condemned. God forgave you your sins when you were still condemned. You know, when you pay the phone bill, you cancel the debt. You owe the phone company. When you pay that, it cancels the debt. Some of you are here today and you've been walking with Christ and your sins have been forgiven, but you're still lugging around the debt. And it's time to let go of that debt. If you've got sin in your life, or you had sin in your life, and Jesus is your Savior, and you've asked Jesus to forgive you, it's time to walk on. Burn the the letter that says you owe something yet. And walk on with your life. Because Jesus has forgiven it. Don't hang on to what God has canceled. It's right there in the scriptures. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, some of you need to be set free. Because you're carrying on a debt that Jesus has taken care of a long time ago. And then the last thing he says, he overcame the spiritual powers against us